Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth ever episode of the K Koji podcast. I am K, and of course, with me today is Koji. Hi, thanks for listening in. So, I did have a few questions for you because、mm-hmm. I'm not entirely familiar with some of the systems that exist in other countries.、Mm-hmm. Um, As there's only really two countries that I've really needed to access healthcare for, which is the US and Canada. Oh, okay. So you went to see a doctor in the US? I did. I, I did have to go to a doctor one time. I mean, just to be able to go see a doctor in the US, if I didn't have like insurance. You didn't have insurance? If I did not have insurance,、okay. it、yeah. would be super expensive. It's highly criticized all over you know, the internet. That the US healthcare is super expensive. And I think I get the impression that going to see a doctor in the US without a proper health insurance is like a nightmare. It's like driving a car without a seatbelt and getting into an accident, right? The, you need the insurance to receive proper healthcare in the States. And obviously, the other country you've seen a doctor is in Canada, right? Yeah. So those are two of the countries that I've run into. Um, where I've actually had to use doctors to like, be okay. <laughs>、mm-hmm. But I've never had to use any of my insurance policies in Asia,、okay. thankfully. I've never had to run into that problem before.、Okay. But I guess I'm curious on my end how does the medical system in Japan operate? So I have no information on how the medical system works、uh, you know, in Korea or China, but I can. At least、uh, speak about Japan.、Uh, so it's, it's a bit of a hybrid because I think in the, in the States it's, it's really a free economy type of a situation where the doctors、uh, get to charge、uh, whatever they can and, and the patients you know, cover themselves with, with insurance. And in Canada, I think it's a universal healthcare where you, know, you, you, don't, you don't pay anything, at least.、Uh, You know, directly、uh, to contribute to maintaining and、uh, running the healthcare system. In Japan, it's, it's a bit of a midway.、Uh, you still need to pay for your healthcare, but there's set price for things. And depending on your you know, status, you know, say if you have an income for, so for most people, you pay 30% of the cost and the rest is covered by the national healthcare.、Uh, so, you know, say you go see a doctor. Uh, actually, I, I recently went to see a dermatologist. I just had like a, a random rash、uh, on my body. And they will check you out and they will you know, prescribe you with,、uh, with some medicine. And on the bill, they have this state, statement which tells how many points each you know, pros, procedure that the doctor took is worth for the, for the I guess they, they make a claim each month based on the. Things they did to their patients. And it's, it's, you know, so they have a set price and set points for, for each of the procedures that they make. You know, they take an x ray, say, for example, they take an x ray that's 100 points. So, you know, different things have different points, and that's how doctors make money, and it's, it's all standardized. So, in the end, because the points are quite regulated, you don't pay so much going into the doctor. So, I paid $12, I paid around 1000 yen when I went to see a dermatologist the other day. It was 1000 yen. You just walk in to a dermatologist clinic and you know they just check you out and you, you end at the end. But really, on the back of that, all of that, the, the money is coming from the, the, the national healthcare system. So I pay 1000, but the healthcare system pays the rest 2000 yen, which is $25. Yeah. 
Interesting. So a lot of your healthcare is subsidized, basically. Yes. By... How does it work in Canada? I mean, just for the viewers, our listeners understanding. Yeah. So Canada's runs pretty much very similarly to the way Japan system is,、um, which there's like a national healthcare、um, program. It's called Canada's. Well, at least Canada's healthcare system is, you know, publicly funded,、um, and so part of you know the public funding is that they will cover a certain percentage of whatever you know issue that you're having, and then you pay、uh, whatever the remaining cost is, right?、Um, but it's the amount of like tax that you pay、um, is quite high. <laughs> <laughs> to to make sure this this、uh, this program is in place, and、uh, given that like how very similar it sounds like to Japan, you probably also pay a very high amount of tax in order to keep this program in place so that people can get healthcare, right?、Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's there's too much difference between you know Canada and Japan's. Actually, I. Tend to disagree a little bit because I've you know obviously I have you know been sick in Canada while I lived there and you know went to see doctors and the main difference in Canada is that it's completely free usually am I am I am I right to understand it's not completely free so the the thing to to keep in mind is that maybe like. So one thing is like prescription drugs and、mm -hmm. stuff like that is not completely covered. Like a family doctor, yes, that's you don't pay for that, right?、Um, or them to get get a check or for you to get like a vaccine、um, that's not like corona related, but like just a standardized vaccine that you might need.、Um, that should be covered by the healthcare system.、Um, but what tends to happen is that there is a thirty percent of things that they don't cover. Right, like Medicare prescription drugs, like、um, eye related, like、uh, injuries or whatnot. Oh, really? Like you actually,、okay. yeah, you actually need like supplementary insurance. I see.、Um, my understanding is that at least seventy five percent Canadians today have some sort of supplementary insurance, either provided by their job or their their company that they work oh, and, for. Oh, and dental too,、um, right? I believe. And dental, yeah,、mm. yeah. So that's typically. That's where that other stuff is covered, but yeah, if you're just going to see a doctor,、um, a family doctor, you don't pay for any kind. Because I, I remember、insurance. I've you know I've gotten sick in Canada and I went to see a doctor and you know I I didn't really have to pay for anything.、Um, I just pay for the medicines、uh, when I went to you know London Drugs to get my prescription. Yeah, and the difference I really found、uh, or find、uh, between. Japanese healthcare system and the Canadian healthcare system is that when I was in Canada, you know, let's say I have something wrong with my skin, for example, but I still have to go through my、uh, general practitioner first, and the wait at the general practitioner is insanely long. So you know, I I was、uh, I have something wrong with my skin, or one time I was sick. And I just wanted to see a doctor to get some medicine, and it, I I just had to wait for I think I waited for two hours at the doctor's office. That was in Canada. That was in Canada, because for walking, yeah, I had to wait for like two hours just to just to be checked out. And then eventually, 
I knew there was something wrong with my skin. So I wanted to go see the dermatologist directly. But then they had to refer me to a dermatologist eventually. And that took five weeks to see the dermatologist, the specialist directly. Whereas in Japan, <clears throat> if you know, I mean, something's happening to your skin, you can walk directly into the dermatology, like, you know, clinic. And I mean, maybe there's a line, maybe it's a, if it's a busy day, there's a line and you got to wait for 30 minutes, but then you get the attention of the specialist right away. And they, they, they give you the medicine necessary. And then, you know, so I feel like in Canada, I, I, I understand that if it's life-threatening, they give you the proper health care. But as long as it's, it is not life-threatening, it's, it's really congested, the health care. And I found it very, uh, very stressful because I'm, I'm used to living in Japan. And, and the cost that I pay to save that, you know, five weeks of suffering and two hours of waiting is it's not that much you know i pay <clears throat> i pay you know 1000 yen for the for the for the doctor to check it out and then $10 for the doctor to check it out and then i pay $20 for the medicine it's really not that much so you know i i always got frustrated with the canadian you know healthcare system because it was just so inefficient to to, to my understanding yeah but what do you think is, so I'm a big supporter, of course, aside from the cost, uh, you know, either it is incurring to the, to the, to the Japanese government and, and it is essentially becoming a burden to, to the, to the monetary position of the Japanese government. I think the, uh, you know, the healthcare system in Japan is very efficient and it works really well. What do you think is, you know, from your perspective, Kay? Uh, an ideal healthcare system. Well, there's a few things to to unpack um, there, right? Which is the only reason why um, the Canadian healthcare system today works is because of how much tax you pay to support that fund. Um, and when it comes to the balancing act that you're looking at, there's a lot more. Like over the next couple of years, we're going to see a, a lot more elderly people impact the system. And there's not as many younger Canadians today um, that would be able to support the level of like medical system that we have today in Canada, which is probably one of the reasons why Canada is so optimized to handle life-threatening injuries and issues first um, and then tackle maybe more of the less le Ma maintenance kind less, of less things right yeah. yeah like yeah anything that's like rather surface level mm -hmm. um issues um i think what you're used to in japan is also going to be very temporary given how old the japanese population is no it's 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 now. already yeah yeah like i've been hearing some things where um like there's like the elderly in japan outweigh the younger generation of Japanese people like eight to one or something like that in terms of like how much like it, how much of a burden they're going to have on the on the overall like medical system yes so that's really concerning because that's a very similar outlook that Canada might end up running into if we're not continuing to have children yes um, at a fast enough rate mm -hmm. and elderly, so, like, elderly people you know usually generally speaking require more 
medical attention, but they're not oh, contributing sure. as much to the, you know, monetary to the to the society, right? You know, they they they've already you know done that done their part in their early lives, and they're maybe retired. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, when when someone is older in Japan, how much t- do they have to pay to get like? Um, medical services like is it are they still only paying the 30 percent actually it goes down uh, you know if you're if you don't if your income is below certain level and let's say you're living off of your pension i think it's usually 10 percent yeah okay so So very similar yeah yeah so it becomes much much more reasonable yeah definitely so definitely when we're, we're talking about the healthcare system um the national healthcare institution that you're having in Tokyo, in japan is like very similar to what we have in canada mm-hmm. the only real difference is that we prioritize and triage differently mm. um yeah so you've got the point system mm-hmm. which we don't have in canada mm-hmm. um where they mark down every single thing they do um but where where they do start to mark down every single thing that happens is when you go see a specialist, right? Like a like a skincare okay. doctor or something okay. like a dermatologist. Um, that's when you start to see. They, but they don't use a point system. They just mark down like their bill of ladings of what they did. I they see. send it to your insurance company to I figure see. out like how much you owe in or what the difference is. Um, I do find, like you mentioned before, that Canada's medical system is very inefficient. Um, mm-hmm. And there's probably two or three reasons for that. Um, the first problem is there is a heavy and intense amount of bureaucracy that lives in the Canadian medical system today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we were to take a few steps back, um, one, currently doctors do not make as much as you think they do in in Canada, unlike in the U.S. where they make millions and millions of dollars. Like. An, an average doctor, when they first jump into the industry, I think their starting wage is like $100,000, which is not a lot considering how many years of education and studies that they do. Mm. Um, it might have bumped up a little bit more, so maybe it's 100 to 150 or maybe 200000 But like for six to seven years of like nonstop training mm. and going through an internship, like that's not like a really good trade-off, right, for how much you're paying your doctor. So that's one. You're, the doctors aren't paid enough. The second part of that is, um, is the nurses. The nurses are absolutely not paid enough. Period. Really, hands down. Yeah. Um, and so what we you're, you'll start to notice if you've been in any of the hospitals in Canada today is, uh, Canada tends to bring a lot of like foreign mm-hmm. workers mm-hmm. into Canada. I see a lot of um, uh, you know say in Vancouver, uh, Filipino nurses. Yeah, yeah, like um, so you you'll see a lot of folks from like East Asia mm-hmm. or uh from India or or areas mm-hmm. that were able to get some sort of licensing in their country, mm-hmm. and that license does not translate to Canada, so they have to retrain again oh, wow. in Canada to get the proper license. And one is because some of those licenses a are fake, yeah, <laughs> so they're yeah. not real licenses. Mm-hmm. But b it's also like we have to uh like our system requires them to meet a certain level of standard mm. and qualification before it goes in. Like Canada's all about qualification. Okay. Like if you don't have the paper, you're most likely not going to get the job you want mm. in Canada. Unlike in the US where you can kind of fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or some other countries where you can kind of weasel your way around certain things. Like you have to get like an official documented thing to be able to work that through. Um, so that's where Canada's kind of good. But the problem is like they get the, the license. It makes right, it more difficult. To be a yeah. registered... Yeah, once they are like a registered nurse, um, 
they don't get paid very much. Like the, <laughs> they get paid very little um, for the amount of work that they do. I objectively say that they probably do a lot more work than the actual doctors themselves mm-hmm. in terms of how much work they do in terms it's, it's of like tough job. healthcare. Yeah, it is a very tough job. And so that puts a lot of strain uh, that you don't really have local Canadians um, that are used to maybe the culture and like the behaviors of like a multicultural society mm-hmm. or a multi or a multi-age range of people that you have to take care of. And so when you have someone from another country drop in, um, they're not as well equipped to handle the, the interactions. And so the quality of care you'll see is dropping mm. um, as a result of that. Um, so that's like one of the other reasons that things are, are not all that great with the Canadian healthcare system. But definitely bureaucracy is the biggest one where money goes into Canada to fund these hospitals and the healthcare system, but you don't know where the hell the money goes. Mm-hmm. Like they don't break down, hey, this is how much money went to these particular hospitals today. Like it just goes to this fund and then the government just arbitrarily decides where they want to go and put that, right? So we maybe some of this money goes into the pockets of some of these politicians or it might be going to special interest groups mm-hmm. um, that handle a lot of the stuff um, like for that maybe they're like upselling you on like really expensive equipment like MRIs that mm-hmm. you can probably get a cheaper rate. But ideally, the Canadian government is subsidizing and we don't really get um, a clear view on how much they're subsidizing mm-hmm. this equipment for. I right? see. So that's that's a big problem um, that we don't get that little visibility. I see. So it's inefficiency of capital allocation of the amount of money that our taxpayer dollars is going. The other one is like training takes too long but also we are not paying them enough for how much training that they do. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is the wait times that you yeah. mentioned before, yeah. right? So the wait times is a, like Canada has a really great cancer research yeah. uh, team, mm-hmm. right? And so your ability to get like, um, to go through like really specialized issues or prob- problems mm-hmm. is actually pretty fast. Top notch, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like if we're talking about like really serious issues like cancer related or chemotherapy, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, it's been really good. Uh, but the for all these other things, you have to go through the referral process, like you said yeah. before. It's like, hey, if I want to see a skin specialist, I have to talk to a general practitioner. Um, but if you have a family doctor, you will not have those one or two hour waits. I see that you ran into. If it's a walking clinic, you will always have a wait time that mm-hmm. sucks. Um, that's never going to change. But if it's a family doctor that you're registered with, you're very unlikely to run into those problems. But you still do have to go through the referral process um, to be able to get referred to a specialist mm-hmm. or whatnot that you want to go see. It's just the the times are maybe a little shorter, um, but the schedule of the specialist is definitely still the same. Yeah, like no, talking, I, yeah, I had to wait for weeks. Five yeah. weeks. So there's not as many specialists in mm. in Canada as well. Mm. Um, they're there because there's no there's no incentive for people to become doctors or specialists in Canada because they're not paid enough, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So where are they gonna go to be a doctor? The, well, the US. Hey, down they just below, have, right? yeah, yes. they just gotta look down the border <laughs> and just hop. They just go over there and become a doctor, right? Yes, yes. And so a lot of times, if Canada is great, is a great country for medical research. That's what we're kind of better known for. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not very well known for um, top-notch level of care. Mm. But we are good for universal health care. Mm. Um, and having a universal health care system acts also as a detriment, especially if you have 
a growing population of homelessness or people that are unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're continuing to put a lot of like weight on the yeah, system. On the system yeah. um, and I do believe we should definitely help support them. But there are some things that we have to take into consideration that the bureaucracy and our training and our payment of, you know, our staff today is not well equipped to handle the growing, you know, uh, unemployment rates and the homelessness that's happening. And so something has to change on the bureaucracy and training level Mm. um, and payment level for all of our healthcare workers today Mm -hmm. in order to be able to be more optimized for that. I see. No, actually, you know, just, just one thing I... I realized, uh, you know, as, as as we were talking about this, the Japanese system uh, with the points, yes, it is efficient from a, you know, a, a the patient's perspective. But, you know, if you look at the efficiency from the, the, the cost perspective, uh, I think, you know, I think there's a misalignment in the interest of the doctors uh, versus the, the system because doctors could, you know, say, you know, they obviously know that the bone is not broken, but they could, you know, still take an X X ray. I I don't know if it actually happens, but they could, you know, just do the extra checking so that they can add points. And they can, you know, say they also own the pharmacy next door. They could also, you know, prescribe instead of one week worth of medicine. They say, okay, we just prescribe you with extra medicine so that you know you you have enough. And you know that adds to the points of the of the pharmacy as well as the the doctors, right? So maybe that's, you know, because I, I feel like sometimes I go to a Japanese clinic and I get over, over-medicated. They give me medicine for, like I go, I go in with like a, with like a, like a neck, neck injury or something. And usually I could just leave it as is, but they give, you know, they give me like a painkiller, uh, they give me the stomach medicine to take with the painkiller, and they also give me this, you know, uh, this uh, Bengay type of, uh, you know, stuff that you put on 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 my neck. So you know, I feel yeah, like like a patch, yeah, right? like a patch, like yes, a heat exactly, or a cold patch. Yeah. So it also encourages doctors to over medicate, which directly connects from from a patient's perspective. It's maybe only a few extra bucks of difference. And, you know, you don't go there all the time, so, so you don't know what's the right treatment. But then, you know, add, add all, of that, all of that up by the number of population, um, you know, that's, that's a significant, you know, cost to the society. So that I feel like there's a misalignment uh, right there and then as well. Yeah. So, yeah, th- there's a few things that um, definitely that, that there, there seems to be a lot of conflict of interest happening there where um, they're incentivized to prescribe you more so they get a bigger kickback, it sounds like, in terms of like subscribing medication. Um, thankfully, they don't do that in Canada as much. That's probably where the benefits of the system here is like, let's give you the minimum amount of like survival care as possible in Canada um, and let your body try to like heal itself as much as it can without having to go see a specialist and over-prescribe. Um, certain medications so I think that's a good system in Canada where I do feel that Canada is like really close-minded about is the idea of um, a person's choice to be able to go see specialists um, for certain things um, and be able to have the ability to pay above and beyond if you can for the treatment you need immediately 
And I don't, I, I personally don't see a problem with that. If you have, if you want to, like, let's say for example, you're waiting for an MRI scan and the MRI scan takes fucking forever to get. Um, yeah. In Canada. Right. So like today, right. And maybe in the last like three or four years, there is now like an, you can now get purchased like an MRI scan without having to go through um, the Canada system. You can just go, go into a walk-in clinic now for an MRI and I've done that, right? Just to check, see what's going on with my body, uh, make sure that everything's aligned and, and okay. But you, you got to um, pay out of your pocket for that. But I got to pay out of pocket. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But if you wanted to do go through a weight line, it takes like freaking forever, right? And it's only reserved for people that are really having serious issues, right? And and so it's only been recently that you're seeing some of these things that some of these businesses that pop up that specialize in really specific things. Um, that people know that Canada has long wait times for. <laughs> so like things like plastic surgery or things like uh, MRI, usually plastic surgery in Canada would typically fall under reconstructive surgery, right? Which is like if you're a burn victim or if you're an issue, um, you would go through that. But if it's for purely cosmetic reasons, yes, you can go to like a regular plastic surgeon, right? Um, but some of the other things is like, what if I want something like, that falls into more of the experimental phase of things, right? Um, like what if I want stem cell, right? Therapy for certain things. You can't really get that in Canada normally. Um, so what would typically happen is a lot of Canadians would actually leave Canada and go to the States or go to South America or something, some shady area. Yeah, yeah. And, where and then get stem cell uh, treatment. Less restricted, right? And then be able to get stem, stem cells treatment. And... The thing is that stem cell treatment is proven to do a lot of really great things mm -hmm. for like regenerating, like, you know, if you tear your ligament, right, mm -hmm. or something like that, when you're doing sports, you can get a stem cell injection to, to heal for that. But it's super hard to get that here. And expensive. Oh, um, expensive, I bet. Yeah, it's yeah. expensive, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be covered um, traditionally by our healthcare system. I see. Um, but yeah, I, I just find that... Um, Canada's healthcare system today is not great because mostly of the politics that's going on mm -hmm. um, and the bureaucracy that happens and that we don't pay enough I see. Um, I see. of of our of our people. Otherwise, if all of that was taken care of, then we can do more experimental stuff like having, you know, rich people come into this clinic and pay extra so they can get mm -hmm. additional service or skip a line, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if they do do that, then you can tax them a little bit more if you're a clinic that allows mm -hmm. for that, right? Mm -hmm. So you want, you like, want different yeah. pay grades. Yeah, you can have yeah. a different pay grade. Like, oh, if you're going to go and skip the line, that's fine. But here's the additional level of tax you have to pay. I, I think see. that's okay to do. But then make sure that that tax or extra revenue that you're using goes back into the public system, Yeah, right? Yeah. So that you improve the public system. Mm -hmm. But... Canada doesn't fucking do that. Okay? <laughs> they're, they're like so, like they're so like stuck in their ways of like uh, a really like socialist mindset of like universal healthcare mm -hmm. that it has to be equal to not, everyone. Yeah, yeah, and like even if you give everyone equal like um, healthcare, mm -hmm. rich people are not going to wait for the Canadian healthcare system. They leave Canada anyways, mm -hmm. and then they go get the they pay their money. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's more States idealistic, I think, than uh, you know, it's, it's it's less practical from the sound of what you're yeah. explaining. Yeah, and so it's like, well, why not just capture the money here and keep it in Canada so mm -hmm. you can re revolve the money back into the system, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you getting them to leave the country, spend a couple million dollars at some 
you know, clinic in the States in the or in, uh, yeah. in, I don't know, in, in South America or yeah. something yeah. and then get what they need. And then they come back to Canada and be like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm, I've gotten all better. I didn't have to wait for half a year and <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm good now. And you know, you, you commoners don't need to, <laughs> have, you still have to wait for like the, the five weeks. It's like, yeah, make, doesn't make sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to me. So like a hybrid system like that, I think if we can have like a higher tier system, you can pay the extra amount on top of that. It's not typically covered by your insurance, right? Mm-hmm. You'll have to pay out of pocket, mm-hmm. but you get an accelerated program. I think that's yeah. And you know, I think I think reasonable. a lot of people usually don't have the time to wait for. You know, if you're busy, you don't have the time. But you know, you're busy and you're making money. You don't have the time to wait wait around for that treatment to you know because you want to you know optimize your efficiency, right? To <laughs> to give uh you know, to deliver the best result possible for whatever business or sports that you play, then, you know, you would just pay that extra money to to cut cut the time short or get the best uh, treatment possible. Yeah. And like, I can't even think of a better reason for that for surgery, right? Mm. Or if you're doing like organ replacement mm-hmm. for like your liver or something, it's like that time that you have for surgery and replacement is like so thin. It's like razor thin when you need to have that. Mm-hmm. And some people don't have the luxury of waiting another four or five weeks. And by that time, it's like, oh, we didn't find the donor or, oh, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we had to push back. By that time, that person's probably dead. And when you're in the universal healthcare system and your life is on the line and you're willing to pay anything to that, but even if you want to pay that amount in Canada, you can't get it. Mm. But, but- that. That makes no I, I, sense I thought I thought yeah. if you have like a life threatening condition, they would put you in the front. They 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 will, but then they'll triage you again, right? Which is like, who is the one that is more likely to die first? And then I they'll see. triage for that, right? Even though like yeah. maybe you're second or third in line, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like maybe that extra week yeah. is not enough time, I right? See. Yeah, to think about. I, I know and so they mean. have to go to the US. You anyways, want to be able right? to have the liberty, right? You don't want the you don't you want to make your own decision yeah yeah no i agree with that yeah and so like that's that's like a huge problem that it's it's not like a it's not a great way to especially if you're someone that that knows you have them if you have the means Mm -hmm. they won't rely on the canadian system they will take their money out of the canadian system Mm -hmm. and they will go spend their money elsewhere Mm. it's like exact reason why um Koreans in Canada leave Canada and get their their health their health checkup in Korea. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't get the health check in Canada because Korea's health check system is so much better. Mm. Like they give you everything. They give you your BMI, they give you like how like how much like glucose you have in your body. They give you every single statistic about your body. Mm-hmm. We don't have that in Canada. Oh, really? I know Japan does that. Yeah. Well, we don't have that in Canada. It's actually mandatory in Japan to for an employer to exercise yeah. a health checkup, like a detailed one yeah. uh, once every year. So they take a blood yeah, we, in, you know. They just they just uh, do 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 everything. They take the x-ray of your body. And if you're above certain age, you know, they 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 do a more like a like a thorough type of check yeah yeah like they don't do that here in canada and it makes no sense so how would you know that you have your high risk or not you have to go pay out of pocket to get that done oh what to the do heck? a physical yeah you, you don't get a physical for free 
in Canada,、oh. which makes no sense, right? It would you would think that for a universal healthcare system、yeah. that a physical should come free for the amount of tax that you're paying because one, I mean, that prevents no better. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.、Mm-hmm. Preventative medicine is infinitely more powerful and more useful than standardized traditional medicine because、mm-hmm. you can you can expect you're like saying, oh, look. Uh, my fat level is like increasing, or、yeah. this like、yeah. amount of vitamin is going down, or like my blood sugar level is this level, right?、Yeah. It's like I, I and my heart rate, whatever, right? Everything, because、yeah. I I do yeah, actually, I'm, you know, compare my result from the past years and say, you know, okay, I'm I'm like a little heavier this year than the last year, and you know, I should try to you know, you know, cut some things out of my life, uh, you know, try to improve my health. You know, it's it's a it's a good incentive for. For you to pay attention to your health, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that、um, a physical should be mandatory, but it should be free,、mm-hmm. right? At least it should be free, right, and easily accessible, right? To be able to do that, then, because I go and get my physical,、mm-hmm. and I pay for it, like every year. Wow, really? Because I want to keep. Okay. Yeah, because I want to make sure, like, hey, what's going on with my body? Because I'm so, very much so, like so metrics the, focused. Yeah. So physical is not free in Japan, but you know the company had must pay、uh, for that. You know, if you employ. So,、um, and and also actually, what I find interesting is even for dental,、uh, like where I live in Tokyo, they. The government sends out letters to me like once a year, telling me that there's a free checkup at your local like dental dental clinic. So I can I can just walk in and、uh, get my get my free checkup and like cleaning done for free by you know sponsored by the by the local government. So yeah, so it's not really a health care. It's not really caring. It's just it's just there and available for everyone to use. But they they're not taking the measures necessary to, you know, from the sound of it,、uh, they they're not taking the measures necessary to reduce, you know, the usage and improve,、uh, you know, the the health of the overall nation. Yeah, it's just like it's just really really weird.、Um, I don't I don't know why、uh, they don't do like a full health like checkup for everyone. And then you have to do it. It's just, it's just weird.、Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little strange. Yeah, because you you can check your like you know like liver health or you know many other things through the checkups. Yeah, and your cholesterol levels, etc., etc. Well, like here, here's the thing, right? You can go and get your health checked, right? You can, you can insist, but it's just not on par with what they have overseas. I see. Like it's just not, it's not at that level. Like you can get your health check, right?、Um, but if you're like 20 years old,、mm-hmm. they will tell you you don't need a health checkup. Literally, the doctor will say that, even if you're insisting and telling them that, "Hey, can I get my health check?"、Um, really? Yeah. Either you know they're too lazy, or you know it's just like they got other things to think about and work on. I, I, it's just yeah. Like they don't. I, I think I think the whole general practitioner system is 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 functioning as a gateway to you know 
to keep the traffic level at the specialist level low. You know, they're, they're, keeping, they're working as a gateway so that people don't, you know, go and use the resources uh, of the specialists and not really for the interest of, you know, catering to the patient's needs or people's needs. I feel like, yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's just like some weird stuff. Mm. Um, but definitely um, our healthcare system does have a big problem with immigration. Mm. So people literally just immigrate to Canada just so they can like abuse the healthcare system that we have here. Uh, or they would like marry someone in Canada so that they can get access to free healthcare. And I think it like hyper inflates the actual problems. I see. I see. That that Canada actually like really needs to have. Mm. And if they're not taxpayers yet, right. Or they haven't really like spent a good amount of time mm-hmm. in our economy. But you, you get your, you get your like, care card from day one, right? Yeah. You don't know that you're yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Which is one of the detriments <laughs> mm. that we run into here. Um, but yeah, like from your perspective, you know, you get, you know, all you get, you know, a check every year, mm-hmm. right? Which is great. And it's but then I think uh that's great, but also makes you know I think you know, it also puts a burden of maintaining one's health uh on the healthcare system. You know, I feel like Canadians and Americans typically are more aware and are health you know, health and fitness minded. Than, than the Japanese, you know, they're more aware of what they're eating because I feel like because of the way system works, uh, they, they need to be more conscious uh, about, you know, what their, what their health, health situation is themselves. So they don't leave it up to the, the medical care system in Canada and maybe in the States as well. So it's, it's also good. I feel like, you know, when I'm here in Japan and especially with the diet, Japanese diet is, you know, generally healthy and we don't eat too much. So a lot of people can, you know, people can just live without paying so much attention to their own health. And if, if something goes wrong, they just go see a doctor. You know, it's carefree, but, but then they're, they're less aware of, you know, what's good for your body, what's not good for your body, you know, what kind of nutrients you should be taking, nutrition, um, what kind of food has high nutrition value? Uh, what's bad for you? Like stuff like that, I think. And if you go to a supermarket in Japan, they still sell uh, margarine and a lot of it. And often, I, I quite often encounter margarine. Like let's say I eat some bread somewhere and they give you margarine. It's, it's, it's quite common still. And I, I, I find it almost criminal. What do you think, Okay. Yeah, they shouldn't be be selling margarine at all. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't um, be selling margarine. It's a, uh... but that doesn't fall under the healthcare system. That f- falls under your food and administration agency. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, yeah. but but you know, I feel like the fact that Japanese people are not aware of the dangers of say eating margarine, it it could be you know the result of the healthcare system being so good and they. And, and the diet is generally healthy that, you know, we don't have to pay so much attention to what we eat, the things we do. And we will just kind of live long without having have to pay so much attention to those. And, you know, so a lot of people are blind to 
or less aware about the food that they eat and and uh, and those habits that are uh, that we engage in yeah yeah I mean, and just as a clarification for the listeners, when I talk about like a checkup or a physical, I don't mean like, oh, we're just going to measure your heart rate. I'm talking like a full physical, mm. like a full standardized physical uh, of your body, um, which they don't do in Canada anymore. That got fully defunded um, wow. in Canada. Yeah. Mm. So like <laughs> it, it makes no sense, right? Mm. The healthier your people, the more prosperous your your country, right? Yeah. Um, and you would think that that would sink into Canada, but no, it's, it's not really in there. I see. So um, what do you do yourself to, you know, like keep good health? Of course, you pay for the extra, you know, health checkup yourself. And, you know, what are the things you do? What are your health habits uh, that you're into? My health habits? Yes. <sighs> I, I don't know. It depends on the person, right? Do you Everyone's have a, do you have a superfood that you you believe in? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, it's like I'll eat anything that uh, I know doesn't have any kind of nitrates, right? Just like the typical stuff, right? That we know is harmful to your body, mm-hmm. and then like I try to stay from stay away from overeating, mm-hmm. and um, I try to eat vegetables and stuff like that. Um, but what I have done intentionally is I typically only have either one or two meals a day. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it lunch um, so and dinner probably, or breakfast and lunch? Um, so I skip breakfast most of the time uh, unless I'm on vacation or something. Mm-hmm. Or like then I'll get like a breakfast or I mean, lunch yeah. or something. Yeah. Because they're on vacation, right? Mm-hmm. But like on the traditional day, I'd probably have like either a um, a big lunch or a small dinner. Um, okay. Yeah. Is that, uh, are you doing fasting, intermittent fasting? I do not do any fasting. So why, why, Um, why are you eating only two meals a day? Uh, I'm only having two meals a day because, um, like as you get, as I'm getting older, like my body doesn't metabolize food as fast Mm -hmm. or as quickly anymore. So um, if I'm trying to, if I'm really thinking about how much calories do I really need mm-hmm. to operate for the work that I'm doing, mm-hmm. it's, I don't need breakfast. Right? I see, I see. Uh, um, so it's more of like making sure that I can still eat what I want, mm-hmm. but I am being very careful about the portioning that I'm eating because my, my daily work activity and like the workouts I do doesn't require me to have a full three meals a day. I see. Um, so why do you skip breakfast? Is it your least favorite meal of the day? I mean, I guess like a tea or a coffee and a yogurt. I don't think that consider, constitutes as breakfast, does it? <laughs> not not really. It's a, it's a snack. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like what I have for the morning, right? Just to I get see. me started. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, but uh, why, why do you skip lunch, breakfast, not lunch, not dinner? Well, lunch is is because you're 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 actively burning your calories and you're actually using them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for dinner, I just have a small dinner. I see, I see. Yeah, because when you go to sleep, it's like your body is processing all the the proteins and your calories, mm-hmm. and um, if you eat a lot. And you're not actively moving while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to get stored as fat, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I had a huge meal last night and uh, I couldn't you get I, bloated in the morning. Yeah, and I couldn't fall asleep. Because <laughs> I was too full. Yeah. I see, I see. And how does that make you feel to not eat breakfast? I mean, when did you start not eating breakfast? Like maybe two years ago. I see, I see. Yeah. Has it, how about you? Uh, well, I do a lot of th- things, you know. Uh, I like to try different diets and, you know, whatever I find on the internet that seems to be uh, beneficial. Popular? Yeah, popular <laughs> or beneficial. So I've had so many different phases. Let me start with a vegan diet. So <laughs> uh, what was the name of the movie uh, on on Netflix? They talk about a vegan diet and they talk about all the all the vegan athletes that are you know having super performances uh, based on the vegan diet i think it was called the game changer maybe i could be wrong so i watched it uh last year beginning of last year and i was so fascinated so i decided on that day uh you know after whatever i have in the fridge that is uh not plant-based i will st- I would go on a vegan diet. So I went. So my diet was, you know, of course, I wouldn't be too strict uh, about it. Uh, you know, let's say, you know, some, some, uh, some dashi, like the, like the fish stocks, I would still, I would still eat because you can't really avoid that in Japan. But for the most part, I was eating, you know, soy and beans and yeah and a lot of vegetables and for lunch uh at the office i would always go to this indian curry restaurant near the, near the office and or get the get the vegan curry so i did that in the beginning i felt great and eventually after after like 3 months i started feeling pretty sick and i just had no energy and i'm not i'm not saying that vegan diets are you know, ineffective. I mean, I felt like the rise in my energy level a lot in the beginning. Uh, but then I think it's very hard to eat all the nutrients necessary uh, when you're on a vegan diet. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it takes a lot of work and expertise. And, you know, I think I was, I was trying, but I, I think I just wasn't getting enough, you know, uh, nutrition to to live healthy uh, with a vegan diet so i got very sick I, I i got very sick after after three months and you know i had to quit uh, that, that was a lesson i learned uh it's it's very difficult to maintain a vegan diet but i still do sometimes have a vegan meal because i think it's a it's a good way to balance you know your diet every once in a while yeah do do you like have you have you had uh you know and you know I I found very fascinating because some of the stuff you know you can eat uh that is vegan is is pretty interesting and it's good and I'm pretty sure there are a lot of vegan restaurants in and and even like a normal restaurant would offer vegan menus in in Canada right okay yeah yeah there's a ton of vegan food in Canada um. Funny thing is that you don't get a full physical, but everyone's super health conscious. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah, <Canada>. exactly. Um, 
well at least uh, at least in the city in the in the core cities main cities but mm-hmm. if as you go maybe more into the interiors into the countryside of mm-hmm. canada then they don't really care as much mm-hmm. um i don't think there is any real beneficial um improvements whether you have a keto diet a vegan diet or any kind of prescribed diet that people are talking about mm-hmm. um i think everyone's body and metabolism is so different yep. and they process things so differently that um y- if you are someone that is just trying to stay healthy based off of someone else's recommendation that just worked for them, you would probably only want to test it like what you've done. Otherwise, you get the negative effects of exactly what happened, which is you get sick. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and one thing that was yeah, one thing that was very funny was so I got very sick and I got like this nasty like flu and then. Uh, once I recovered from that, I started eating. I ate a steak, and after that, I just started eating meat again, and I felt instantly better. Like I was I had so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I definitely think that um, you have to have a balanced diet, um, mm-hmm. and there has to be some sort of protein yeah. that's involved. Yeah. Um, and maybe if you maybe if you want to like maybe try to be as you know human animal conscious as possible then get free range right animals mm-hmm. or animals that aren't treated misproper improperly yeah. and then use that as a meat source but like i tried like some vegan food and i did try the the vegan and i got just super gassy like mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah like gas is like building up in my stomach like maybe non-stop. from all the beans that you eat <laughs> like it yeah. was it was like insane right mm-hmm. and it didn't make any sense and then like my body odor started smelling differently mm-hmm. and like like just my body didn't function in in the right way and i only did that for a week i didn't even I do see. it for longer than i see than that right so like my body is clearly very much optimized for like balanced food groups mm-hmm. um for like grains and then vegetable and meat mm-hmm. so i don't like exclude any of those the only thing that maybe i focus on is the reduction of like rice and calories i see like anything that has like that's sugar based mm-hmm. that's the thing that i'm reducing a lot and i'm upping my uh the meat intake mm-hmm. my protein intake well, it doesn't really matter what source it comes from but increasing my protein intake and of course like vegetables right mm-hmm. because high in vitamin um but yeah, I think all these like, uh, well, all these like suggestions that people talk mm-hmm. about about mm-hmm. like this is how you should do this. Like it, it works for some people, but it doesn't work for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then if if you're like a person that doesn't follow that, then people judge you for not being able to follow their diet. Yeah. You know, and one, I, one thing, I want to back slap them with the, ba- I want to hit them in the face. <laughs> when they tell me that because I'm like, it's great. Awesome. You know, you're virtue signaling that, you know, you're taking care of the environment. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That works for you. Mm-hmm. But for some people's bodies, that's not an option for them mm-hmm. because some part of our body, when we're like ev- getting evolving, we had to eat meat because it's, if you look at like fat and you look at the content of like some proteins, there are things in there that you cannot get mm-hmm. in some vegetables and in some vegan diets. And if you do need to go all vegan, you have to eat like four to like 10 times more of that stuff. Yeah, I had to eat a to lot. To substitute for the meat. Yeah. Yeah. But, so it's like... Our, our, yeah. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah I, I, I get it. I get it, man. Uh, but you know, one thing that worked for sure when I was on the vegan diet was I could not stop talking about it. Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you became one of them. Yeah, for for three months, people. for a brief period of three months until I got sick. But you know, I just yeah. I was like a, I was like the biggest advocate of the vegan diet because you know I I had like uh you know the great like like the greatest toilet business I've had ever had, and in the beginning at least I was very energized, and you know I felt like I was making a great contribution to the society and. And you know the, the 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 environment as well, right? So, you know, I was very proud. So I had to show it to the world. Then eventually, yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> happened. Yeah, your 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 pride was misplaced. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not a fan of people that um, tell people to adopt a, a eating behavior.、Um, Because one,、uh, what if the culture or the religion that that person believes in、mm-hmm. doesn't accommodate for a vegan mm-hmm. lifestyle, mm-hmm. right?、Um, so that's one can of worms that you're jumping on when you're trying to force someone to go into a really particular diet, or even like keto, right? You shouldn't go full keto, man. Oh no, it's, <laughs> it's full it keto is even worse. Yeah, I I tried、it's、keto super- for like two weeks,、uh, not too long ago, and you know you can eat a lot of fat. And a lot of protein, right? Just no carbs at all. Yeah, I was getting like meat sweats all the time, and I would just use butter on everything because it's like filling. And I think I think I gained a few kilos in a couple of weeks just by doing keto. <laughs> like it's hard. I it's it's hard. And you feel gross as well. Yeah, I、and、felt like gross. I felt great because I was getting meat sweats, right? Because I was I was eating so much meat. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and then like when you go to the washroom, right?、Mm-hmm. It's like your shit doesn't stay together. It's just like no, <laughs> and, just and, and it, st- it stays on the toilet. Like <laughs> it's so like sticky. It was pretty gross.、Yeah. It's so gross.、Yeah. It, it, so listen, it's like when 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 all these like new like health or food trends come up、mm-hmm. that tell you to do stuff. There's a reason why there's 500 years of culinary、um, history from all these different countries. There's a reason why the food is like that, is because we've already been testing our food for 500 fucking years that we know we have to have, have ba- some sort of balanced diet that works for everyone, not just、mm. some specific group of individual. And I think people continue to affect,、uh, forget that, like, oh, we need to innovate on our food groups or we need to optimize for certain things. Yeah, you can optimize it for you. But you're not optimizing it for everyone. So if well, you're getting your bull, you know, noodles, I, I think I think、yeah. also because it's hard to properly execute it if you are, you know, working a regular job, like a, like those those keto diets or you know whatever whatever those those or, or vegan even.、Uh, and maybe I you know I I still want to believe that it works if you execute it properly. But it's almost very very impossible for someone who's just re- living a normal life. You know, I, I still don't、yeah. want to, you know, throw away the possibility that it could work,、uh, but not for me. You know, I think I think you know taking a little bit of, you know,、um, initiatives and try to you know incorporate little you know little things into your life. Yeah, that works. But I think going full keto or full vegan, it's it's very difficult to do. Yeah, and you know, even like、uh, vegan influencers, right? <laughs> They're oftentimes caught with eating、um, meat. Yeah, eating meat or fish, 
uh, behind <laughs> the cameras. And I actually, if I look, after I got sick, I looked up and I found many people say that after years of going vegan, they got sick. And they stopped going vegan. So, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult diet to upkeep. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and same thing with like vegetarianism, like just mm. going full veg is like incredibly difficult because you have to like replace it with nuts. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just upkeep is really difficult, mm -hmm. uh, if you, especially if you're trying to maintain like a particular body physique as well. It's like there's no way you're going to be able to, you know, have a great like. Well, I mean, there is a way, but you literally have to dedicate mm -hmm. so much of your time in order to be able to maintain a certain physique that you could do at least like one eighth of the time if you just had like a normal diet. Do you like think? Normal, do you think the fact groups. that the Canadians don't get health checkups yearly, uh, they tend to believe in in those uh, you know super new diets because you know they can they can judge they can make the judgments not based on science but based on how they feel about certain things. You know, say say they believe in vegan diets so much that they think they are doing so well and they feel great and you know they don't they don't go through the physical examination that you would normally go through in other countries so it doesn't show in the numbers right I, I, i'm just what i'm saying is that it would be interesting to really run a test on all the people that are going through vegan diet and in the long term if their health gets you know impacted negatively well yeah so like do do a test which is like let's do your physical and then give you a vegan diet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then see what happens and does you being able to track your stats while you're on vegan diet give you a placebo effect that you think it's working yeah exactly or like people that don't get any of that mm -hmm. health checkup and just give them like a specific diet and then just go off of gut feeling to see whether or not they feel good and see what the outcomes are mm-hmm mm-hmm That'd be pretty interesting yeah. just to see like what happens. Maybe it's just all in your head. Yeah, I don't and know. It's like if you, I, I really if you bring know, your, yeah. the mm -hmm. diet only works through willpower. I highly doubt it. <laughs> that, that seems like a step in the, hop in the skip, like too far beyond. Yeah. Um, because if it's not measurable mm -hmm. and you can't judge its outcome, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it, I don't think you can just will, will your body to be, to be better. Mm. Um, like there are just some things about your body like it, you can't just like if your arm is broken mm -hmm. you can't just pray that your arm gets better you have to give it a splint yeah and realign your your arm mm -hmm. so that it heals back mm -hmm. so that everything is reconnected you can't just like sit down and meditate and then get like your internal energies to realign your bones like that shit doesn't happen right? <laughs> like you have to take actual steps to like yeah. supplement yeah. stuff right yeah so i i, I doubt that it's like the yeah i i doubt like your mental well-being will will be the one that will make a, a um mm. no, no i'm just i'm just saying like if, if it shows up in the work. numbers right actually yeah. going through the vegan diet or keto diet you know how you know how does that affect yeah. things i'm pretty sure there are studies uh done on that but yeah. Uh, yeah and again i think that's just gonna change for everyone because everyone's yeah. body is different right? and and you know i want um, to i want to know for like a regular guy or girl who is on the keto or vegan diet because you know if you if you just measure those people who are like super good at it then it's it's a 
I think it's not a good representation of the the all of the population, right? Like like myself, you know how it had impacted my health going on a vegan diet. Yeah. I mean, we can just look at like there's no better proof than like when it comes to like Asians, right?、Mm-hmm. Like we have the Asian glow because we don't have the we don't have the protein. That exists in our body to break down alcohol. That's yeah, the enzymes. Yeah, fixed, right. Yeah, we don't yeah. have the enzymes. And so, like, if everyone expects, if you go vegan, what if you know? Maybe we don't have the freaking protein that's necessary to、mm-hmm. have sustain a vegan diet. We actually need to supplement it with some kind of meat, right? Possible, some possible type of protein,、yep. right? So it's like we already know today that people that live in different regions and different areas are acclimated to be able to process certain foods better than others because of. All the years of history of living in that environment. Yeah,、right? yeah. Actually, so, one thing I I learned,、uh, I, it could be wrong, but、uh, it could be fake. But I I read somewhere that、uh, at least Japanese people and maybe other Asians too、uh, can、uh, digest seaweed and get the nutrients out of it because we have the enzymes for it. But、uh, for say Caucasians, they cannot. They don't have the enzyme to digest and.、Uh, You know, extract. Yeah, they just poop it out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> It's like eating a sheet of paper. And and also, Caucasians are more, you know, react. Uh, so, so Caucasians are more susceptible to caffeine. You know, they get they get influenced. You know, they get drunk quickly、uh, than Asians、uh, from caffeine, basically. Yeah, so stuff like that. You know. Uh, you know, I'm I'm speaking the example of race, but you know, it could be you know between you and me too, right? There could be some differences. Yeah, I mean, we have like allergies too, right? Look, you can eat certain food, I can't, stuff like that. So, yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and and so like that's that's some of like the interesting things about like what what is good. Like you being able to talk about certain things, and then you being getting judged for a lot of these, like ideas of like, hey, this is how you should do the thing, and because you're in this culture, this is how we expect you to do some of this stuff. It's like no, everyone's kind of individualistic, and、um, they all t- take things differently in strides. But when it comes to like interacting, and, and we and we were like talking a lot about like your health and stuff like that. When you're trying to like convey an idea, right? Do you think it's better to like say more of what you're thinking about, or do you think it's better to sit back and and talk less and just listen? Okay, I think you are a you know in a in a in a real life situation. I think you're more of a say less type of a guy. Well, I'm asking you. What do you think is more important? <laughs> what, what do you think works better? We can talk about me later. Okay. Like, I I think, so I think I'm the kind of person who wants to say less, or, or who thinks it's, it's good to say less, but can't can say you know can't help but say more, you know I I need to like I tend to overexplain things, and. I, you know, tend to give too much information or give the full picture on things when I want to, you know, convey a certain idea. So you know, I but, you know, I see someone who do it with less words, and 
I admire them, those people who can do it with less words, but it's just difficult for me to do. Because I want to talk and I want to, you know, elaborate on the on the on, on the topics. So, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do you think it's the challenge that you're having is more of like, it, are we talking more when you're using English or are you talking about when you're using Japanese? I think any language. Really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Mm. So you actually you talk more regardless of whether or not you're using Japanese or English. Mm-hmm. Like you you tend to like use like try to explain more or try I, I tend to i tend to just you know push your ideas push more. my ideas yeah. through yes and i i think though it also depends on the cultural context as well in japan i think it's better to say less whereas i think it, more in the west you know you need to push your ideas through so you need to say more yeah Definitely. Yeah. What, what um, do you think? No, it's 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 the, those are like very similar things that I'm getting as well. Which is in the West, you are valued more when you say more, mm-hmm. right? Like the biggest, the loudest voice in the room tends to tends to lead mm-hmm. all all of the people um, because you're just loud and you get attention. Yes. Right? Um, but the problem with always being the loudest person in the room is that you're also exposing yourself for also being the dumbest person in the yeah. room <laughs> as a result, right? Um, I do think that depending on the context of what you're trying to do, um, if I was to average everything out, people that say less tends to succeed more than people that say more. more. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there, the only reason why I think that today is back when i was a lot younger like when i was like in like my elementary mode or like and before i I hit high school Mm -hmm. i was just like talking all the time like just yeah yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. just just saying whatever came to my mind Mm -hmm. and that shit got me into a lot of trouble (laughs) (laughs) you're running your mouth basically right (laughs) running my mouth being a bratty kid Mm -hmm. like being an asshole Mm -hmm. right and I realized how much trouble that kept getting me into because there was zero filter mm-hmm. and I wasn't like processing and, and thinking more deeply about what are, what is it that I'm, I'm actually saying mm-hmm. and what is it that I'm actually doing? Yeah. And then when I got into high school, like I stopped talking, like I, I cut my talk time by half. Okay. Yeah. Like I literally stopped, like didn't talk as much and that continued into, um, university mm-hmm. and you know into my first job i see like i started talking less i see the problem with that is that fucked me over mm-hmm. in the career side of things How um come? oh so because you're not because yeah yeah you're, i'm not projecting my ideas mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. i know that i'm right mm-hmm. right so if you think about like the the education system that you go through you're taught that you should be working with your team right mm-hmm. with the teams in the group scenario and you should succeed together mm-hmm. as a team mm-hmm. right but i wasn't able to do that effectively because it got me into so much trouble of all of, like the communication i was yes. doing yes when i was a lot younger mm-hmm. and so like i thought that i could be able to do everything by myself right all the work by myself and that carried into like my first job and that really screwed me over because i wasn't able to like get my ideas across and mm-hmm. rally people behind ideas mm-hmm. to work on effective things, mm-hmm. which has changed now mm-hmm. because 
I'm a lot better at like formulating my ideas mm-hmm. and like communicating that, which is like why like things are improving for me. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> but, That's good. Uh, <laughs> but well, I definitely think that learning to, it's not a matter of like saying more or saying less. It's more of like listen more and say more effectively. Mm. Yeah. No, uh, you know, I think I said I'm trying to say less. And I, I think especially in the Japanese context, it's speak less is, uh, you know, Japanese people are not as outspoken. And, you know, they they mean a lot of things with the slightest phrases that they use, you know, the way they, you know, express, uh, you know, express a certain emotions or, you know, f- for like the slightest differences in their expressions, you need to understand what they mean in the Japanese context. So, you know, I'm more accustomed to, you know, talking to you or the Canadians who are more expressive. So I feel like I'm, I'm like over speaking because I'm in Japan and I, I always feel the need to you know, say less. And, you know, what, what you said at the end is exactly right, I think, especially nowadays in, in, the, in the business uh, world of business, you need to work on your ability to listen to others. You know, I think listening skills, you know, whether you're doing sales or, you know, you are managing uh, people, uh, you need to be able to listen to what other people are thinking and articulate, you know, their issues uh, correctly. I think that's that's the skills uh, necessary. So I think in order to listen more, you need to say less. Got it. Yeah. I see. Mm. Got it. But then you have the problem, which is that if no one says anything, Mm -hmm. then nothing gets done. (laughs) And and the loudest person in the room kind of gets the... Gets, gets the approval acceptance uh, yeah. from from the rest of the team somehow nobody agrees but nobody disagrees you know kind of yeah. situation and that's emerges. that's a big problem yeah that's a huge problem and mm-hmm. uh just in general like asian society doesn't really like korea china and japan because i'm more familiar with those mm-hmm. cultures right um and and seeing people work in those environments they the you know what was the audience what was it that people say again it's like the nail that sticks out always gets yeah. hammered back in. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and because like the culture thinks that way, all the good ideas get heavily suppressed. Mm-hmm. And I-, I think Japanese people make the judgments, uh, you know, based on, you know, mutual like agreement, you know, be some mutual agreement. Yeah. yeah. And like, they don't take the time to challenge the idea and then iterate on those mm-hmm. ideas, right. Mm-hmm. To continue to improve on it. Whereas, um, in the West, it's like challenge you on every single step of the way. Yes, I think <laughs> right? it could be considered an offense yeah. to challenge someone's idea or thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you know, with 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 my Japanese friends that are more, you know, domestic, uh, maybe they you know they don't like me as much, right? Because 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 I think I think there's a culture of debate in in the west say north america you 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 know you can challenge what your friend says and then you can discuss you know you can you can that's how you formulate you know a certain idea or you 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 get to learn the insights of your friends or other people whereas in japan you just you know absorb whatever the other person is saying and then try to understand so you know you're not actually hitting back it's it's a yeah it's a different way way to communicate 
for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and that's probably the, the the biggest difference. It kind of falls into the hierarchy problem again, right? Which mm-hmm. is that um, if someone has been there longer or is yeah. older than you, you can't really talk back because they should technically know better and they're supposed to lead, mm-hmm. right, by example. Um, uh, I think regardless of like whether or not there's a hierarchy or not, um, you should definitely always listen more. Mm-hmm. Um, you should start with the listen. But you should definitely call out the thing that makes no sense yeah. at all, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> because you know it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think the the thing to to take away from that is if they're not lis- if they're not listening to what you have to say after you've taken the time to listen to them mm-hmm. and to really think about what's happening and being able to, and if they shut down your ability to express mm-hmm. how you've interpreted that thing, you don't get the opportunity to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. From, you know, being able to communicate what your thoughts are mm-hmm. and be able to like hit back on maybe good ideas or bad ideas just so you can mm-hmm. better understand. Yeah. yeah just to, to better understand mm-hmm. what it is that's happening mm-hmm. in, in that in, in that uh, engagement. If you're not able to do that, mm-hmm. you should probably not associate with them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah because they're pro- they're someone that will most likely be um they haven't taken the time yet to um grow mm-hmm. into someone that's more level-headed able to work with others mm-hmm. and they may be trying to influence or push their their influences over you yeah. know what's happening mm-hmm. um so yeah, stay away from those people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dangerous sign. Can. Yeah, I mean yeah, that. that I think that sign. ultimately, like, if if you have a boss like that, it ultimately creates like a toxic, you know, environment where people not able to, you know, speak up, and and the communication is going to be, you know, less and less. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to do. It's not easy, mm. right? You these skills. Even today, I'm still like trying to like improve my skills with this like changing the way i i I think about ideas and and speak about it Mm -hmm. um because i i still have deeply ingrained into me like the asian way of thinking yeah but then in the work and business world or in in the tech side of things your ideas are heavily valued like Mm. they always want you You need to to, you need to give your inputs yeah yeah because the the culture of in the tech industry is innovation and clash of ideas mm-hmm. so that you can come up with the best possible ideas I see. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe in the finance side, it's because it's, of all the regulations, yeah, all the regulations. Like... <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's much older than the, than the, than the world of tech. It's quite, you know, it's a uh, hierarchy, you know, takes quite a big toll on, you know, how people communicate. So, you know, of course you can speak up, but there is a good number of people who just wouldn't say no to things or they would just look at their surroundings and they think, oh, is it the right time to speak up or not? Is it going to... Because, you know, you you make a wrong move, you could be in trouble, right? You make a wrong move and speak against a certain person, you could be in wrong... You, you could be in trouble, which I actually don't really like about the finance industry because the way certain people think in the finance industry because you know that because whoever speaks up doesn't speak up with a bad intention and you can always 
have a discussion with that person, try to reach a certain agreement. But if the organization is, you know, the culture is made in a way that it prevents people from, you know, speaking up on certain topics, then it will not improve, you know. It's just, you know, it's all in the head of one person. It's better to, you know, I think keep it in the, you know, keep the ideas coming from different people's head because different people think differently and may be able to put in uh, new thoughts into your head through communication. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's one thing, you know, uh, finance industry typically because it's more traditional need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, even if, if you're part of, I don't know about like all, Asian families, but I know um, <laughs> in Korean and Chinese culture, mm-hmm. people are pretty straightforward Yeah, within their family. Okay. Maybe not in the business setting, mm-hmm. but uh, in the business setting, it's more of like, oh, listen to your boss kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But within your family, mm-hmm. they are like brutally honest. Yeah. Like if you're like, if you don't look good, they'll ask, are you tired? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or like yeah, yeah, if yeah. you gained a little bit of weight, it's like, hey, you're fat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah weight, for sure, right? for sure. <laughs> like they're straight up and brutally mm-hmm. honest about, about some of that stuff. Um, but I don't know how that is like in, in Japan. I think it's the same. You know, you are very... So in Japan especially, right, there's a, there's a phrase like, you know, honneto tatemai, your, your real feeling versus what you, you know, present in front of others so it so there's a two 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 levels of a relationship right so let's say your colleagues are just a surface kind of relationship where maybe you don't oppose the other person's ideas or whatever they're saying and you just talk about surface things you know food you ate this restaurant is good that but when you are able to go go to the second level of um you know, to the other level of relationship, then you can talk freely to each other. But then that's that's really a big step forward in terms of uh, relationship building. So like families and close friends usually fall under that category. But I see a lot of Japanese people and they don't have so many um, people that they're level two with, basically. Uh, they, they, many Japanese people just really keep everything on the surface sometimes. So it's, it's very hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always felt that like in Japan, mm-hmm. it feels very individualistic. Like there's this, like, so like they do everything for the common good mm-hmm. of everyone else for like the community, mm-hmm. but they keep to themselves yeah. a lot. Yeah. They keep Which a is lot like, of things to themselves. They don't share, you know, their thoughts or emotions, you know. Even though they want to communicate as a group, they want to agree on all the same things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, it's like the biggest, like, so, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird, like, so I, thing. I think a lot of individuals' ideas are kept under the cover. And it's, uh, it's, it's hidden. It's hidden. Yeah. So we, you never get to, you know, you know, you never get the full picture of what kind of crazy things Japanese people are thinking in their head. Well, I, I mean, we can see a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's why I, that's, I, th- I think it's like, 
so like suppressed by the society when Japanese people express it's like super unique. I think that's that's a that's a possibility. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the K Koji podcast. You can find more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Keep up to date by following us on Twitter and Instagram at K Koji Podcast. If you would like to support the program, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash K Koji. 